Hello and welcome into another episode on the Lubumba Pastors Blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is a rebroadcast from our series in the book of Proverbs. It was first, first broadcast in November of 2021. The title of the lesson is How to Ruin Your Reputation. And our text to begin is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 3, which tells us this. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. When we look back on the heroes of Scripture, what do we remember them for? Do we remember them for their successes, or do we most often associate their failures more with them when we think of them? For example, do we remember David as the man after God's own heart? Or do we remember him as a murderer and an adulterer? Do we remember Abraham as the father of faith? Or do we remember a man who produced Ishmael with Hagar and twice gave up his wife Sarah to other men out of fear for his own life? Samson was a mighty hero, but we know him for being a man controlled by lust and allowing a Philistine woman to steal all his glory. Gideon won a great victory for the Lord, but then he made an idol out of gold captured from the Midianites. Aaron was the original high priest of Israel, but we know him for being the maker of the golden calf. Asa was a king who did wonderful things, but we remember how he became proud and mistreated God's prophets and some of the people. Solomon is the one who wrote most of the book of, of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and the Song of Solomon, and even some of the Psalms. But though we benefit greatly from his wisdom, he's remembered most often as the man who married hundreds of foreign women and became an idolater in his old age. Do you see my point? Today's proverb tells us, when wickedness comes into our lives, Dishonor will be sure to follow us. God's judgment is not like man's judgment. God does not forget the good his servants have done when they fail. We can see this clearly by God listing men like Samson and Gideon in Hebrews 11 and referring to David as a man after his own heart, even though David did commit great sin. It's much harder to maintain a good reputation, though, in the sight of people. People are very quick to turn from loving someone to condemning someone. But Daniel is a famous example of a man who had a reputation that was perfect before God and perfect before men. In Daniel chapter 6, from verse 1 to 5, we read this. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel, with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, 
We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. This is a really amazing story. And if, if we try to put ourselves in Daniel's place, I think it's a good exercise to think about, would I pass the test of these people's scrutiny? Daniel worked in the, in the political sphere. You know, most often it's, it's politicians that have a lot of dirty laundry that they wouldn't want revealed to the general public. But if they work in a, in a democratic government where they have to run for election and, and be voted on by the population, often the opponents uh, of them in the election will seek to find whatever bad stories, rumors, negative things they've done in the past in order to, to smear them and to slander them, to keep people from wanting to vote for them. Now, how many politicians in our generation could pass through this type of scrutiny unscathed? I would say there's probably no one. There, People raise examples, even going back to secondary school. You'd say, ah, in secondary school, they did this. There was a time they misappropriated funds. One time they lied to their mother about where they had been. One time they spoke disrespectfully to their father. But try as they might, looking through Daniel's life, these politicians couldn't find a single accusation against his character. Why was that? Because the Bible says Daniel was faithful in all things. That's an astonishing reputation. So these men decided the only way they could ever accuse Daniel of any wrongdoing was if they could make his religion illegal somehow. And that's the only thing a Christian, according to the Bible, should ever suffer for from their government. As, as Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, from verse 12 to 16, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Now up to that point, notice Peter is telling us what the whole of the New Testament tells us. There is an expectation that Christians will have to suffer for their faith in Christ. Because the world hates Christ, Jesus warned us that it would also hate us. So that's an area in which we can expect we should suffer. But then notice what Peter says after that. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So what does Peter clarify there? None of us should suffer for, for doing wrong. None of us should suffer for breaking the law. None of us should suffer for being a gossip and a busybody and meddling in people's business that has nothing to do with us. But how much of your suffering, how much of my suffering, comes not because we are Christians, but because we fail to live like we are Christians. So to conclude today, let's ask ourselves, what about my life? There are some Christians shying away from positions of ministry because they fear their secrets being exposed. Well, we should not have any secrets we fear someone finding out. 
Paul said this about his clean conscience in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, from verse 2 to verse 4. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself. But I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Notice, Paul was ready to give accountability under inspection at any time. How, how was he able to, that, to do that? How was he so bold? Because he had a clean conscience. And that begs the question for me, do I have a clean conscience? Or are there some things that I fear other people finding out? Paul exhorts us this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let's not allow ourselves to be dismissed because of failures with sin. A good reputation comes through faithful, righteous conduct. Dishonor comes through sinful behavior. God bless you all.